We are Rise FM, and this is our community spotlight, where we highlight events and organizations throughout the listening area that are doing great things every day. This might be just for you or someone you know. I have Katie Kogelman from the United Way of Wayne and Holmes County. Hello. Hello, Angie. Thanks for having us again. It's time for our February update. Tell me what has been going on and who have you brought with us today? Yeah, so I know last month when we talked, we were closing up our campaign. So the exciting news is, is that we actually exceeded our campaign goal of 1.65 million. So that was super exciting. Yes. But today I have a special guest with me, uh, Wynn Jones from the Worcester Homelessness Task Force. And with this task force and many other partners, we've been able to establish what is the severe weather shelter. And I thought this would be great timing, even though today's pretty nice and it's been nice yesterday, we have more severe weather coming. Mm -hmm. And in the event of severe weather, we open the severe weather shelter and Wynn is an integral part of that happening here in our community. So I thought she would be a great addition to this segment. Fantastic. And also one of your recipients. Is that true? Well, it's a, we have a special relationship. They're not one of our grant recipients. It, it's actually um, designated gifts directly to the severe weather shelter. Oh, yeah, that's pretty darn good. Yeah. So when tell us about the shelter and and, you know, just how long it's been there and what it's like. Okay, well, and thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. I always want to um, uh, talk about the Severe Weather Shelter and basically educate the public on that it exists and, and what it is and why. Severe Weather Shelter, I think, started about five years ago. I've been involved in it for two years. I mean, five years ago, it was just the brainchild of Krista Kidney, who was at the time chair of the housing, Wayne County Housing Coalition, and Katie here, and, and United Way, and the Salvation Army. The Salvation Army basically lets us camp in their gymnasium in the winter, and we've set up cots, and there's a kitchen attached so that we can serve a dinner for the guests. So I'd say four year, five years ago, it was um, uh, sort of um, the idea was born. I think about four years ago, a few people, some of the social service uh, agencies, had the place open for about 13 nights, I think, the really, really cold weather. Three years ago, was open a few more nights at about when it was 20 degrees or less, you know, very cold. And the number of nights it's open is, is a direct function of the amount of money we have to operate, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just been growing and growing. I have been the volunteer coordinator last year and this year and done a little bit more than that this year. But basically, we really turned it into a full-fledged operation the last couple of years. We have almost 80 volunteers. That was what I was going to ask you was how in the world do you run it? And yeah, you just answered my question. Volunteers. That's fantastic. Mostly volunteers. We do request um, donations. We exist on the kindness of strangers. And Katie helps us with that. People can donate through the United Way to the Severe Weather Shelter. We need the donations mainly to pay the overnight contractors, the, the professionals that operate the place overnight, you know, staying awake and make sure that they're there to serve whatever needs those individuals have. But the volunteers work from about six to 10 in the evenings when the shelter's open. 
We have volunteers who make meals. Many of them are churches in town. Some are individuals, individual people who bring dinner. So every evening that we're open, we serve dinner. Volunteers are there, like I said, to basically run the place and take care of whatever needs the folks may have. I mean, sometimes we have to call the emergency squad. Uh, we've had a couple people this year with severe diabetic issues that haven't been addressed, not enough insulin, things like that. We're very, very sick. So, you know, as we see it, we're there to help them and protect them and keep them warm and safe and, you know, all those good things. It increased from uh, the first couple of years to last year, we were open 72 nights, much of the winter, and we served 118 unduplicated guests, 118 wow. different people. Basically, we used 1,001 cots. We were open when the weather was 20 degrees or less. Now, this year, we've increased the temperature to 20, feels like 25 degrees. That could be 28 or 29. If there's, you know, wind chill makes it 25. Uh, that was our stated goal. But it's been so warm and people have been so generous that we've had enough money to actually open on quite a few nights that were a little bit warmer than that. So very grateful, but still you know, sleeping out at 40 degrees isn't anything I'd want to do. And so tell me about the homeless population. Um, what were you guys seeing as far as the homeless population and, and why was this something that you thought was a, a, a big need? Because there is quite a homeless population in Worcester. Um, there's a thing called the pit count, point in time count. It's required by the government that agencies do every August and I think every, this year it was January, every January, February, to count as many of these homeless people as possible. Now, these are the people that are counted are the people who are, I think technically the term is living in places not meant for human habitation, all right? There are many people I would consider homeless who are sleeping in somebody's basement or on their couch who trade around from friend to friend or family to family, you know, during the year, but they're technically not unsheltered. They just don't have a home of their own. But the pit count counts the people who are living in tents, dumpsters. Yes, there are some who sleep in dumpsters for warmth and protection, in alleyways, um, cars, campers that don't move. You know what I mean? They're kind of broken down. They're just there. Um, even barns, just places wherever we can find them. I don't have the pit count that was just done, but there were yeah. 117 people. Okay. 72 of those were in a shelter that includes the severe weather shelter. And then 43 were in those other locations that when mentioned. Yeah. And I think in August they had uh, found 114. So, and those are the ones they can find. Well, I mean, I think um, that the general thought of communities in general is we don't have any homeless. We don't see them. And that's why I wanted to ask you that question because they aren't just living on a park bench. I mean, it's just not like that. Um, like you said, sometimes they're couch surfing. Sometimes they're living in their car. I know a lot of people will live in their car. And so it's important yeah. that people understand that homelessness is an issue everywhere. And I wanted to see what it was for you guys. And we see change uh, differences. For instance, uh, early in the season when it's warmer, we might only get 10 or 12 people in the shelter at night. As it gets colder and colder, we get more and more because the tent isn't sustainable mm -hmm. or even living in their cars. We get a lot of people who might come in for a meal when it's warmer. By that, I mean, you know, 35 degrees. They come in for a meal and then go back to their car 
we have, there are a couple of people who park the car in the parking lot by the shelter. They just don't want to sleep in that dorm environment, you know, but they'll come in for a meal. We've had some that are housed, but literally don't have any food on the shelves that come in for a meal. That's fine. You know, we'll feed anybody who, who needs to be fed. But as it gets colder and it's and living in the car overnight is not sustainable, the numbers in the shelter grow. Mm-hmm. Last year, we had it set up for 16 people and ended up one the first really cold night. Mm-hmm. We had 27 come in and we found cots or mats for everybody. That's how it goes, you know, but the shelter is certainly the population in the shelter. The core population is a group of people that I would consider chronically homeless. Mm-hmm. All right. They've been out there for a long time. Their mental health issues. Um, they've given up, you know, whatever. But of those 118 unduplicated guests last year, many of them are just just use it as a sort of a soft place to fall until they get their lives together. Something happened. There was a fella who showed up one night, hadn't seen him before, and he, he and his wife were getting divorced. He got kicked out of the house. He literally didn't have any place to go and not enough money to pay for a hotel every night. He was with us for a couple of weeks till he figured something out. I don't know whether he went back with his wife or to a friend's house, but you know, things like that. Somebody lost their job, got evicted. Um, the majority of the people living in their cars are working and they have jobs. Mm-hmm. They just don't have any place to live. There are some people who live in the shelter and go to jobs. They'll come in and eat and go to sleep and get out or come in and eat and go to an all, you know, a, a third ship job and then come in and actually sleep in the living room, the day shelter at the Salvation Army during the day. So we accommodate a lot of different people. This year, we had two women, one with us for about two weeks who was escaping domestic violence. And we have shelters in town for that specific purpose, but they were full. There was no place else for her to go. So she was with us, and they're mostly men in there. We only have one or two women at a time. She was with us for about two weeks until the residential shelter at the Salvation Army could open up a bed for her. We still have a young woman who's escaping sex trafficking, and um, she's still with us. She's been with us for since mid-December, but it's, again, the only place she has to go to be safe. So it, there's a number of stories. Are you seeing families at all? Not in our shelter. Um those there are other shelters and specifically the Salvation Army shelter that's specific for families and the children will go there. Um, they really don't want to come to our shelter. I mean, our, we have a, a low barrier shelter with rules, but um, there are uh, men in there who have um, um, what do you call it? Felonies. Um, sex, sex offender um, uh, felonies and you know things mm. like that some drug issues etc so yeah, it's yeah. just adult men and women okay got it I mean, if somebody showed up with children we'd take them in briefly but before the end of the night we'd have we'd find some place for them to yeah, go yeah that's fantastic yeah and uh, that's uh it's very important to keep that in mind and obviously you guys would know that way better than me <laughs> so <laughs> so how how do people get involved with what you're doing, either through volunteering or giving through the United Way? Okay. Katie, you want to take the money part? And- yeah. So like I said, we have a restricted fund for the severe weather shelter and people can give directly to United Way of Wayne and Homes, but in the memo, you know, write severe weather shelter. And that's an ongoing um, gift people can make throughout the year. We have text to give options, but the easiest way is to just call us here at United Way 
and let us know that you'd like to donate to the severe weather shelter and we can give you all of those great um the great options to do that mm -hmm. And as far as um, volunteering, either for meals or to work in the shelter in the evening hours, um, you can contact me. Uh, uh, Wynne Jones, the uh, email address is wyn.e.jones at gmail.com. Um, contact Katie. I mean, mm -hmm. we, you know, we all know each other. Yeah. Contact the Wayne County Housing Coalition or the Salvation Army. Yeah. Anything else you want to add, Katie? Now, I would just say that, that, you know, this originally came out of a study from the College of Worcester. Um, they did a whole study on our homeless and housing issue originally. And this was one of the recommendations that the Wayne County Housing Coalition was able to run with. So it, when we talk about partnerships and collaborative, um, Wayne County is great at that. And it just this goes to show how an idea out of a research project can actually come to fruition if you have the right people and resources at the at the table. Yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. That's it for our February update. We'll get together again next month and find out what's going on for the spring and get all those event dates down. Yes, thank you. Thanks, Angie. Thanks for joining us for today's Community Spotlight. Don't forget to share this message with someone who might benefit from this information. The Rise FM Podcast Network.